As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today we're going to be talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder and the new arena talks centering around potentially making a new arena for the Oklahoma City Thunder, kind of moving out from the Paycom Center, what my thoughts on it are, and you know how this move could affect the state in general. Also want to talk about some of the players, though, uh, both past and present from the Thunder, Xavier Simpson and his latest signing with the Orlando Magic, what it's going to mean for him and what it means for the Oklahoma City Blue, and also Chet Holmgren and his appearance today up in the crossover pro-am so you do not want to miss out on that also don't want to miss out on a very special offer from DraftKings Sportsbook coming up in this episode but starting things out though with the arena talks really this isn't something that has been new I mean for probably the last two or three weeks the chatter of the thunder potentially uh, joining a, a new arena, and this would be a, a built one, a, a newly built one in Oklahoma City. Um, I mean, that's been on the table basically since about the second week of July, I think you could confidently say. And this came from Mayor Holt. He paused a $70 million plan. It was a MAPS 4 upgrade on the Paycom Center. And basically the reason of doing this is to kind of think, you know, should you blueprint and make a new arena? When you look at the Paycom Center in comparison to, you know, other big facilities that host venues, whether it's NBA games or concerts, what, whatever you want to say. I mean, it's still a pretty big venue. However, when you're talking capacity, it's not that high on the totem pole in the NBA. It has a capacity of 18,203, and Joe Musato did a story on this, kind of breaking down the capacities of every single arena. Well, I mean, you look at the Paycom Center, that's ranking in the back third of overall capacity. And when you talk about overall square footage, it's the lowest out of all 29 NBA arenas. Want to talk about the age? It is not the oldest. It's definitely up there, though. It was built and opened in 2002. Also, the AT&T Center in San Antonio built in 2002, and the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans is the oldest, opened in 1999. So a lot of arenas are just now being built, and there are new plans, I believe, for the 76ers to also make a new arena, and, you know, this gives you kind of that long-term future, if you will. Another story that I read I believe Jenny Carlson was the one who typed this up, kind of gave the comparison of like the Seattle Supersonics almost where, you know, you have hometown owners. It looks like regardless, you know, you got the arena um, over in Seattle. You're thinking, oh, well, you know, you have the ownership group. Eventually an arena is going to get built, right? You're going to be safe. And then what do you know? You get Clay Bennett buying the arena. Uh, the rights to the team, getting that ownership, and then relocating to Oklahoma City. Now, it's kind of the same situation where OKC is in homegrown hands, but 
you have an arena that you know is a lot older than some others. I think when you're talking about the Paycom, it's not a bad arena. And I'm going to be honest, I don't have the best grade uh, gauge on this stuff. It's not like I'm going to all the arenas. Someone like Joe Musato, he went to literally every single one of them. So if you have not, make sure to read up on his uh, overall rankings on the arenas. He did that, I believe, last week. Uh, but he has a brief description on all the arenas. Sounds like you know, the Paycom Center is kind of run-of-the-mill. There's nothing special about it. Uh, you have other marquee arenas, and they're not in Oklahoma, right? Like, Oklahoma is a small market in comparison of really everything. It's a small market. Um, so it's not going to get the same type of uh, value as, like, the Madison Square Garden, you know? You're not going to see a UFC fight or something in OKC for a long while. I believe it used to, but at this stage, you're not going to catch that too often with um, some of these things. Regardless, though, I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder is one of your biggest moneymakers as a state, and it doesn't matter if you are a fan of the team, it doesn't matter if you dislike the team, right? Like, the OKC Thunder brings a lot of attention to the state of Oklahoma, a lot to Oklahoma City, and if you remove that, you take away the one major sporting organization from the state, I mean... That's going to take a major hit on really everything. You have a college football built up. OU, they are a powerhouse. Nothing short of it. Oklahoma State's doing well. But OU, I mean, that's a top 10 football program. And overall, university, when you're talking about all the money coming in off of athletics. That's probably what you have second to the OKC Thunder. And then it's just a major gap down to a place like Oklahoma State and There's not professional teams we're talking about, right? You're talking about colleges that are the big draws. So the new proposal that is coming from Holt is that they're looking to make a arena for $115 million. It's going to include the arena and the team practice facility. And that's kind of where you go with this. Just making sure you can build up that long-term relationship almost with Oklahoma City you don't want them relocating so that's why you're putting that pause on it and there's additional things to this story it's not just the arena I think it's going to add 70,000 square feet more restaurants more amenities Uh, but you know if you're getting that new arena in that is going to make a big big difference really in terms of everything here and this is something that's going to need to be sort of voted in here if you are going to get this passed, get things going, and money's going to have to be kind of thrown out from taxes, which is why, you know, you're going to hear people on both sides. Like, if you are disinterested with the NBA and Paycom Center's good for the concerts, right? Like, you're not going to be going crazy over this news. Like, is that where my tax dollars are going? It's It's a... solid point that you can't just like throw out because everyone here is probably listening to this loves the thunder they love basketball you're probably gonna vote yes on that ballot if you get that slip pass to you right but I mean there are people that probably don't want to spend their money that way and that's just how it is you got to look at where the money is coming from in this state what's going to be the biggest draws and the biggest attractions the Oklahoma City Thunder so having that kind of cemented down financially and uh, in terms of, you know, drawing eyes to Oklahoma, that is major, and that's kind of where that drawing point is. So 
There's going to be more updates on this, I'm sure of it. David Holt was actually really active on Twitter when this story broke, replying to a lot of people on the matters of this new arena, the Paycom Center, all this, all that. Uh, one thing that was not addressed and something I tried to reach out to him about was the Oklahoma City Blue, and he did not reply to me. I have not heard any confirmation one way or the other on the fate of the Oklahoma City Blue and where they'll be playing next year. One thing that I can say is we're approaching about two months until you begin to see the G League sort of open its doors. I think now it starts in the first week of November, so you could say it's about three months away. But if you're going to make a relocation, I would imagine you would probably do that as soon as possible. As, as soon as you get that kind of figured out, you're going to make the press release about it. We haven't seen one. But also, we haven't heard confirmation of the blue stain. This isn't something that probably would fetch its own press release, right? A team stain in their arena is to be expected. I'm sure the contract with the Paycom Center is still running here. But the way that talks were going and the way that Sam Presti addressed things in his exit interview kind of leaves the door open. There's a can of worms because Presti didn't know where the Paycom or if the Paycom Center would be hosting the OKC Blue for next season because the G League, they let him know that they didn't want them in the Paycom Center. It makes sense. Just like this arena talk could make sense on why you want to build a new one. It's going to cost taxpayer dollars, but you're going to have a set in stone place for the Oklahoma City Thunder. With this one, you're talking about the G League and their brand. I think they've done a spectacular job with branding in the last couple years. In particular, they started capitalizing when they brought the Ignite in and when platforms like TikTok, for example, have blown up. There's been a lot more chatter about the G League. Coverage has been shown about G League players, and that never happened when it was the NBA D League. A lot of guys just went completely under the radar, and you probably couldn't even know MVPs that were in the G League or D League just because you never heard anything about it. It's not the case anymore, and because of that, they're kind of pushing to form out a brand, and they've done a good job on that side in the marketing department. One thing that separates the Oklahoma City Blue from the other 29 teams, though, is the location. There is no other G League team that is playing in an NBA arena. And you would think that, you know, this is a, a good thing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You're in the Paycom Center. You're in the heart of OKC. People are going to be drawn in. The answer is yes to that. But at the same time, it's a double-sided coin. Because, yeah, you think it's all sunshine and rainbows. You're in that NBA arena. But also, because the Thunder are there, because you're scheduling concerts months and months down the line, the OKC Blue sort of is wedged into awkward time slots. And it doesn't make sense unless every single game is almost opened up for like school days. If you guys ever had those where, you know, they bring in kids from all different schools to watch the Oklahoma City Blue or the OKC Dodgers, just something. That's the type of thing I'm talking about because all their games are middle of the day. We're talking 11 a.m. tip-off times because the OKC Thunder are playing right after them at 7 p.m. You have to space it out. And what happens is you got these weekday games where it's really hard for the attendance to be there, number one. But number two, you're not going to get many television views. There's not much airtime that's kind of pushing it out there. 
and you have a backdrop, which I think is awesome. It's like a curtain that has the Oklahoma City Blue name on it. I think there's some decal also on this. But it does change it environmentally a lot from the other arenas. So the G League pushing to move them out makes sense. But they're losing one of the core values of, I think, what the G League is about and what the Oklahoma City Thunder are about. The OKC Thunder are about homegrown talent. You talk about the success stories from their G League team. It's not coming from people that came from other affiliations. They're not going to Sioux Falls or South Bay and picking players from there for their organizations. Maybe after a season is over, they'll pick up Moses Brown or Jalen Horde on a two-way contract. But mid-season, they never steal players away. And that's a strategy that I really like. I think that when you broaden your search, you're able to find better talent, obviously, in the G League. But if you want the transition to be smoother, you stick in-house. And they've sort of mastered that art. I think there's other teams like, let's say, the Heat that have mastered the other side of it. But for the Blue, they're able to bring guys in such as Lou Dort and turn them from a two-way guy to someone who's dropping 35 points in the G League, hustling his tail off in the regular season, and was almost the reason OKC made the second round as a rookie. You find those impact players basically every season. Moses Brown, he played his heart out with the Blue in the bubble, earned his opportunity, earned an NBA contract following his time uh, with the Thunder in his first season, and Omer at seven as well. Like you can just go down the line of successful players that were grown in Oklahoma City, and one of the big reasons is because you're still in OKC. You're not going from one of the Dakotas to Miami if you're called up. That's a very long travel, and it's almost an inconvenience at some stages if you're the Miami Heat. Obviously, you're going to bring the player, but it makes it a lot harder to make movements in terms of calling players up and moving them back down. The OKC Thunder are probably the most important team in this regard. They love to bring players up and down the ranks. And one of the reasons why is because you have the Paycom Center sharing both. You saw Veet Kredshi play with the blue one game and sit on the uh, the sidelines for the OKC Thunder. Alexei Pokashevsky did the same thing. And it's built by design because of the location there. You're able to get Thunder scouts, Thunder personnel, watching the blue train, seeing their development go up. So there's more attention for both organizations. And it's kind of a mutually beneficial venture. But you do want the profits high for the G League. So there, there is that argument. But we haven't gotten any news on where that has gone. Is this a standstill where they're going to stay next year and try to figure things out? Was this a short notice, notice call that Sam Presti got maybe a week or two before going to his exit interview? There's not enough details. And the context is somewhat there. But there's more meat to the story that is just not available right now. So I'm going to say, as of right now, the Blues should stick around in the Playcom Center, but I don't know if they're involved with this new plan. There's not really a venue outside of the Paycom Center that could house the Oklahoma City Blue, that at least I know of, and that would lead to, if everything goes down the line and there's no accommodations for the Blue, this could lead to them moving back to a city such as Tulsa. So, 
that's an ongoing story that I don't know when we're going to get a break on it, but I hope they stick in the Paycom, especially when you got guys like Usman, Teo, Jay Will, that need that time playing on both the G League level and the NBA level next season. I want to talk about more people from the OKC Blue Pipeline in one second here with Xavier Simpson, but first... I'm going to let you all know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet to $1,000 and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. UFC Tonight in the Toyota Center. It's going to be Amanda Nunez going up against Juliana Pena. Uh, I remember watching the one in December, actually. And I was going to place a bet on Juliana getting the upset. I think it was like a plus 650 on her winning that night. I would have um, made a good chunk of change right there. But I didn't do it. She ends up winning in the second round and... They're going to go into a really good pay-per-view at UFC 277 tonight. The whole card looks amazing. If you guys aren't interested in the UFC, it's one of those sports that I'm kind of getting myself into there uh, on the MMA scene. I'm really liking kind of what the roster looks like. So you guys can look at that one, maybe throw a bet down. Juliana's still going to be the underdog in this one. So you can bet accordingly if you still got faith in her repeating as the underdog this time with the title belt we'll see how that breaks down though and we'll see how everything breaks down with training camp and such for the oklahoma city thunder here's what you have to do for the offer though go ahead and download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code tbpn make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars that's promo code tbpn only at DraftKings sportsbook Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Continuing along, though, with the OKC Blue chatter. I talked about what you had with the arena talks. Now I want to talk about one of the players, Xavier Simpson. Xavier Simpson has been very active this summer, and he has not been doing it with the Thunder organization. Let me just give you guys a brief timeline. So the Thunder selected, or I guess it would be the Blue, they selected Xavier Simpson in the first round of the 2020 G League draft. Seventh pick in the first round, and he was really good in the G League bubble. He was playing alongside Ty Jerome, started all 15 games for the Blue, and he almost looked better than Ty Jerome in some sense. Very smart passer, didn't see much of his post hook, but he was the perfect complement to Jerome. And also, you're seven and Brown. He was really good at kind of like leading the defense in, getting them on uh, pick and rolls, and being able to make some nice dump offs to the bigs as well as entry passes. But he looked good there. And then he played summer league ball last season with the LA Lakers. 
Did not go beyond a summer league kind of venture with him, though. Returned with the OKC Blue for a second season, and then he basically turned into Captain Hook. What else can you say? He turned into Captain Hook, where he has become synonymous with a hook shot in terms of best hook shot guards in the G League and the NBA. He's most definitely up there. He has perfected that shot, and because you saw Moses Brown and Omer Yard 7 leave out the door, a lot more opportunities were there on ball for him to create. Olivier Saar left. So they had to run small ball with Simpson and Jalen Horde oftentimes. And it meant that instead of throwing dump off passes, you would see Horde kind of fade to the three-point line and Simpson can kind of pick apart his man in the penetration game. So he was stellar there. Got a 10-day offer from the OKC Thunder in December. Got a COVID-positive test, though. So he had to return to the blue and he had to play the whole entire G League regular season before getting another chance. And that's what he did. He got four games with the OKC Thunder to end the year. Looked very good managing about 40 plus minutes per game. Got a couple hook shots in there. Had a couple in front of Kareem. So that must have been a funny experience for the both of them. And then we get to the present day. This summer... Typically, you don't see players stay in the same G League organization for more than two years. It just doesn't make much sense in terms of a business perspective. These guys are looking to make the NBA, and because of that, you're looking for the best opportunity to make a training camp or make a 15-man roster. In the case of the Thunder, they already have a lot of guards. They didn't bring any guards to training camp last year that weren't already signed. Rob Edwards, he's more of a two, so I don't really want to include him, but they did bring him on. They didn't bring any point guards, though, and they really are full there. They already have SGA, Josh Giddy's fielding some minutes, Trey Mann, Jalen Williams, like, you can keep going, Ty Jerome, Teo Maladone. It'd be incredibly hard for Simpson to etch a standard contract with a Thunder or a two-way contract. He's still a very solid player, though, and that made him a highly attractive asset when it came to fielding Summer League teams. Went on to join the Orlando Magic in Summer League, and he was actually really good. One of the biggest bright spots for Simpson was that he was actually playing basically every game for the Orlando Magic. When you're playing in Summer League ball, you'll oftentimes see that you have players such as Paulo or Chet, whatnot, getting cut short. And even for other guys, such as Lindy Waters with the Oklahoma City Thunder, his tenure was also kind of chopped because he didn't have that many opportunities. If you're already secured in a roster spot or you're kind of far on the depth chart, you're not going to see 20-plus minutes per game your entire time in the Summer League. Five games in Las Vegas, but... Simpson was able to fetch a lot of minutes, and he had some production. 22.6 minutes per game, averaged 8.2 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 6.2 assists. That's 7th in assists, and it is the second most assists we saw in Vegas by one player. 31 in all. And with that, I mean, it honestly looked like that Simpson could wiggle his way into the Magic's second two-way contract because they had already had one filled with Admiral Schofield. That's going to be like the second year he's been on one with them, I believe. But they had one spot open, and 
Simpson looked to be one of the front runners based on that minute output. The spot ends up going to Kavon Harris. So no more two-way deals available. Xavier Simpson was two-way eligible, and he still is. He's entering his third season, so he can be two-way eligible, not just for this season, but the next season as well. But he misses out on the open opportunity. Now, it's almost more of an uphill battle. So with that, you start thinking, does he go to a different organization for training camp? Does he see another team with an open two-way spot and try to knock on that door? Or does he go overseas or even stick around in the G League? There's a lot of different options for a player such as Simpson, who's been so dominant with the G League. He ended up signing an Exhibit 10 deal with the Orlando Magic on Sunday. So he is locked up at least for a chance at training camp. And what this is, is it is essentially a deal that is going to give him the opportunity for a training camp spot. And if he misses out on that, it's going to reroute him to the G League. It's going to reroute him to the Lakeland Magic, the Orlando Magic's affiliate. And that means his shot of returning to the OKC Blue are basically zero. Looks like he has flipped the page. He'll be looking to make some noise in the Magic organization. And just big congratulations to him. I think when you're talking from an agent's perspective and what's the best move for him, that is probably the best move for him. As much as you want to see Simpson remain in blue waters, if he's not able to make the NBA, that's the ultimate goal here, he needs to shuffle the deck a bit. And the Orlando Magic still need... Some extra help at the point guard spot. Admiral Schofield and Kavon Harris are not playing point guard. Schofield's like a 2-3, maybe even a 4, and Kavon Harris is a wing. So, they're not filling the exact needs here. In fact, Schofield and Harris are kind of going to be fighting each other a little bit here when they're playing with Lakeland together. Simpson, on the other hand, is moving into a spot where there's not any competition, at least right now, in the two-way market or the Exhibit 10 market. He should be the starter for the Lakeland Magic if he decides to stick in the G League, or he could ultimately just make the 20-man preseason roster, which typically you're going to have three Exhibit 10 guys make that team because you have the 15 standards and the two two-way contract signees. Looking at the Orlando Magic, though, and looking at their overall depth chart, they could still use a bit of help. They have Fultz, they have Suggs, Cole Anthony is there, RJ Hampton is there. And I think that you can make the case that all those guys can play the one. And Simpson is a sole one, which does stink. Also, though, most definitely there's some versatility with guys like Suggs and Hampton to play the two. And even in other stints, a guy like Fultz or Anthony could get moved up. Outside of that, you're talking about guys like Gary Harris and Devin Kennedy. Neither of those are playing the one. That leaves an opening, based on how this roster is constructed, that they need a third point guard. And that would be that it would be Suggs and Hampton manning the shooting guard position. And you would have Fultz and Anthony at the one. If that is the case, then you could find the services of Simpson being very helpful. Last, or I guess it'd be two seasons ago now, Chason Randall started with the OKC Blue, had two games with them, and then got signed to a two-way contract by the Orlando Magic. The reason was, everybody was injured. The Magic have a lot of injury-prone players. 
Markel Fultz being the big one. If Fultz goes down, you're looking at a guy such as Xavier Simpson to field minutes because just like Chason, he's a consistent backup point guard that's not going to wow you in terms of points, but he's going to be decent in the assist column, and he's going to make a solid effort on both sides of the basketball. And that's really what you need to fill out the back end of your rotation. So he's still in the thick of it for a training camp contract, but it looks like his time with the OKC Blue is over. Xavier Simpson was one of the most, I'd say, monumental players that we've seen since the Blue relocated from Tulsa. And you saw a real shift in the blue two years ago when they went to the bubble. Not many returning pieces, if at all. And a new identity was sort of formed. This is when Nazi Muhammad's really, you know, getting the type of players that he likes. Prior to this point, they were still getting very good players, Tyler Cook being one of them. But this is when you saw them kick it up. And you saw them get guys like Simpson, Rob Edwards, picked in the third round of the G League draft. Guys like Jalen Horde, Moses Brown, Omer Yurt Seven. I think that's the best team. Their bubble G League team. That's the best team they've ever had. They had even guys like Antonius Cleveland go out and be one of the best players in the NBL this past season. The depth is off the charts. But Simpson turned into a star last year. He kind of made made it his own team. And the numbers would tell you that. He had 745 career points with the Blue. You got to remember, two seasons, one of them being only 15 games. He only played 62 games with this organization. But, honestly, it feels like he played 620. He was there every single game for this team, put all the effort in. And now, he's in the top 10 for one of the Blues' all-time categories. In the assist column, 373 assists, 13 double-doubles. One triple-double, started in uh, 47 of those 62 games, and he led the team in assists both seasons. That's over guys such as Trey Mann, such as Ty Jerome. Some of them only played a couple games, so that obviously changes things, right? But he still was the clear-cut winner in both of those seasons, and he made the life a lot easier for the front court. Players like Omer Yurt Seven, Moses Brown, DJ Wilson, Olivier Saar, all benefited greatly from what Simpson presented. And I think in terms of most eyes being on the Oklahoma City Blue, it had to have been last year when Xavier Simpson was getting the attention for his hook shot. There haven't been other times really where the OKC Blue has been put on a pedestal. So Simpson might be on that Mount Rushmore almost of Blue guys. And I'll I'll probably have a post on this on SI at some point. Simpson's not the most long-tenured guy in the Blue organization. If you bring in Tulsa, and even before that, uh, when they were, man, what was it, in um, Asheville? I think it was. It was a long, long time ago when they had the team back there. But, yeah, the Asheville altitude. (laughs) If you want to go back there, you might be able to pull some numbers. But, Since they relocated, I think he probably would be on that Mount Rushmore. Just so many consistent efforts from him. And he was sort of the connector between a lot of different guys. So he'll be moving on. Don't know what holds in the future for him. 
this is the big, big stone that has been turned. Rob Edwards is probably the next one. He did not participate in the Summer League. Looks like he's still independently training right now. He could be going overseas. He could stick around in the G League, but looks like a new chapter has been made with Simpson. There's still a chance, of course, that he would return, but the provisions of that Exhibit 10 deal give the G League rights to the Orlando Magic if he would like to return to the G League or NBA ranks. So, Captain Hook is sailing off into the seas, joining the Orlando Magic again. He looked good with Paulo in Vegas. Hopefully, we get to see that duo again, and we get to see him at the NBA level. Most definitely is in terms of a passer. He's a little undersized, yes. The hook shot helps if he's able to really hone in on it against more athletic centers. And the three ball, that's an add-on that um, he would also like to improve a little bit as well. I want to round things out, just giving some updates on the Pro-Am game we have going on with Chet Holmgren included. I reported this in the last podcast that Chet would be playing in the crossover today. As it was, as it's recorded, it's going to be the next day where I'll have a recap in, in the following pod. But games tipping off, going to be on the NBA site for everybody watching. So there's going to be eyes here. But initially, the report was it'd only be Chet Holmgren and Paulo Bancaro. And I'm saying only, like, you know, it's a minuscule thing. This is big time. The number one and number two picks playing either alongside each other or against each other, that's huge. They weren't able to do it in Las Vegas because Paulo got sunset. Now both of them are going to be around, and it's going to make for a very fun game. He played in the crossover last year before he went to Gonzaga, and he had a 35.17 rebound debut. He was playing grown men, and he was unstoppable. At 7 feet tall with ball handling skills, I fully expect him to be running the offense, going coast-to-coast at will. You got to remember... You know, this is going to be played at a collegiate court. It will be at Seattle Pacific University, uh, and it's going to be free. So there's definitely going to be a packed house for this one, almost like a high school type of energy, which is hard to come by when you, you know, see these professionals. Lots of times you're in that NBA arena, you really can't get that kind of homely sense of it being one of those high school type of games in a really small arena. Going to have not only Chet, though, and Paulo, but also Jaden McDaniels from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Whenever the Thunder were entering the 2020 NBA draft, I had Jaden McDaniels on my mock to the Oklahoma City Thunder. It looked like he was a slam dunk fit, and the Thunder took him. But they also took Emmanuel quickly and traded both of them to get the draft rights to Alexei Pokashevsky. Jaden McDaniels is now going to be contending for a starting gig with the Timberwolves. And Poku, you know, he's still on the up and up as a prospect. It was supposed to be a long-term development. But man, McDaniels would be so nice with his Thunder squad. Six foot ten, amazing defensive capabilities. And with his frame and overall shot creation skills, he could do some damage on the offensive end as well. This makes for a really good tandem that will be playing in this Pro-Am game. And... Honestly, I don't know where the numbers are going to come from. Both Chet and Paulo played last year, so they're putting on their own outputs, their own individual shows. Now the stars are going to align to where we're going to see them together. And we should see a very spectacular game. As I mentioned, it's on the NBA site. 
I don't know if the full game is going to be able to be rewinded and replayed on the NBA site, but I guarantee you places like Ball is Life will have highlights for every single Chet Holmgren made basket and rebound. And I'm also going to be giving you guys coverage in the next podcast on how Chet, Paulo, and Jaden McDaniels played in this game. But that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. I really appreciate you guys listening. If you got anything you would like to suggest, make sure to hit me up on Twitter or hit up the pod's Twitter at ThunderstickPod. That's going to do it for today, though. Really appreciate it, guys, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.